You're listening to Nitty Gritty Nursing with Nurse M, where she breaks down the nitty gritty basics of nursing concepts. Hello, and welcome to Nitty Gritty Nursing with Nurse M. Today, I'm going to break down the idea of appendicitis and the appendix. And what is the point behind it all? The appendix, which seems to be the body's mystery organ. There are a lot of different viewpoints on the appendix. Some say that the appendix is a worthless vestigial digestive organ that is useless. There's other people that say that it has some role in our immune system that's slightly different. There's a new theory that's currently out as of like 2017 that basically says that the appendix is <laughs> an area where we are storing good bacteria to stave off like microorganisms when we get some sort of intestinal infection. The end cause is that what we know is that we don't really know there's a lot of different viewpoints on what the appendix does. Ultimately, that is what I have gathered from looking into what the appendix does. But we all have one. We all, many of us live just perfectly fine with our appendix, but some are going to get appendicitis, which is just inflammation of the appendix. And that is when the appendix becomes inflamed or infected or blocked somehow, and it causes it to swell and potentially rupture within a matter of hours. And if the appendix ruptures, it can lead to peritonitis and sepsis. Again, because it is still attached to the cecum, which is right where the small intestine enters the large intestine up the ascending colon. Right there is where that appendix lives in the right lower quadrant. And should it rupture, it is still attached to the intestines. So then we can link out all of that bacteria, cause the Uh, peritonitis to occur, and ultimately it has the potential to lead to sepsis. So now that we know (laughs) what appendicitis is, here's the nitty gritty of what you're going to do as a nurse or what you need to know if someone might have appendicitis. And we're going to start with how these patients present the P of the pie, P-I-E, presentation, interventions, and evaluation education. So The way that patients present when they might have appendicitis ultimately is pain in the periumbilical area that basically descends and shoots down to that right lower quadrant. So they can have pain around their belly button that shoots to the right lower quadrant. This abdominal pain is most intense at what we call McBurney's point. And McBurney's point is two thirds the distance from the navel to the right hip bone, basically. So if you were to draw a line from your belly button to where your right hip bone is, two thirds of the way is roughly where McBurney's point is. And it corresponds to where the appendix is attached to the cecum or the beginning of that large intestine. They will also have rebound tenderness and abdominal rigidity. So what this means, rebound tenderness, when you are doing your gastrointestinal assessment and someone comes in and they complain of abdominal pain, when you go and you do some palpation to that right lower quadrant, they won't necessarily have pain when you are pushing down. But when you release and the belly has a chance to rebound and that vibration occurs, that's when they have that rebound tenderness. And that is how we describe it. Because as the belly is released and there's that vibration a little bit, the inflamed tissue of that appendix rattles around in there and it causes that that sort of pain. 
Now, because it is inflamed and often infected or has pus built up on the inside, just getting ready to rupture like a little water balloon inside your right lower quadrant, these patients are often also going to have, lo and behold, a fever because the body and the immune system are responding to try to fight against the appendix that has become infected. They're also, from lab work, going to have an elevated white blood cell count. Roughly a normal white blood cell count in someone should be between 5,000 and 10,000. Anything higher than 10,000 in an average adult, because, you know, like babies have different lab values, but in the average adult, anything over roughly 10,000 could potentially be cause for concern. And because this appendix is inflamed and swollen in that right lower quadrant, eliciting a lot of pain, increasing the white blood cell count, giving them a fever, these patients are also going to have nausea, potentially some vomiting. And frequently, the position that I have found them in is usually in a side-lying position with abdominal guarding and their legs flexed up, like in a fetal position, because it relieves some of the stress and tension on the abdominal wall muscles, which decreases the inflammatory component of uh, that appendix rattling around in there, thereby decreasing some of the pain associated with it. So in the event that they have this little appendix that's inflamed that decides to rupture, they would then develop peritonitis, which would be inflammation at the peritoneum because bacteria gets out and it all becomes very irritated. That's a whole different story. The primary treatment for appendicitis is twofold. Um, we used to almost exclusively do appendectomies. So we would go in surgical removal of the appendix. And now what I've started to see a little bit more is that people will do um, IV antibiotic administration and watch and wait and see if it gets worse. Uh, and sometimes it doesn't, and it doesn't require surgery, which is to the patient's benefit. But when we think about appendicitis, we associate an appendectomy, removal of the appendix. So if that's going to happen, here's your role as the nurse, right? If someone just has appendicitis and we are monitoring them in the hospital, of course, we're going to keep them on NPO status because they always have the potential to need to go to surgery, especially if that appendix ruptures. If the appendix ruptures, right, these people have a lot of pain, but if it ruptures, they then no longer have the pain because there isn't a swollen, fiery water balloon of an appendix just in, inside their right lower quadrant bouncing around. Um, so that's usually a telltale sign of a rupture, which is then fairly quickly followed up with some sort of peritonitis development. Pain comes back tenfold and sepsis. So you're going to see worse fevers, tachycardia, hypotension, things like that. From an appendectomy standpoint, perioperatively, like we want to make sure that these patients stay NPO. We don't want them to eat or consume anything because from a surgical perspective, doing that puts them at higher risk of aspiration and complications associated with anesthesia. We want to make sure that we're giving them IV fluids really to prevent dehydration, because if they can't eat or drink anything, that's on us then as nurses to ensure that they are staying well hydrated. And we want to keep an eye and monitor for changes in their level of pain. We want to monitor for the signs of a ruptured appendix and peritonitis development. And then we really want to, want to encourage or try to position these patients in a right sideline or low to semi-fowler's position, really to promote the comfort. Monitor those bell sounds. And then we would give them ice packs for their abdomen for 20 to 30 minutes every hour if prescribed. You can do that. Sometimes it helps patients. Sometimes it doesn't. Play it by ear, I suppose. 
And then we really want to make sure that we're giving antibiotics as prescribed to decrease that inflammatory process and the proliferation of the bacteria that might be causing an appendix to be pus filled. We really, in these patients who do have appendicitis, want to avoid laxatives or enemas. Um, we don't need to be increasing the fecal movement inside there when their appendix is nice and unhappy. The one key thing is we can give them ice packs to put on that right lower quadrant if they decide to help. What you actually want to avoid, though, is any sort of heat to the abdomen um, because the heat can cause rupture of the appendix um, with the um, vasodilation that can occur, which would then lead to peritonitis and potentially sepsis and potentially then death. So they would then go off and have the surgical procedure. And then when you would get them back as a nurse, your interventions post-operatively are still going to be to monitor for those signs and symptoms of an infection, especially for the person as a whole, but also like at the incision site, whether it was like an open appendectomy or whether it was a laparoscopic where they just put the tiny cameras in there and removed it that way. We would then also keep these patients in NPO status until their bowel function has returned. And this is a big thing postoperatively because we know that anesthesia and surgery really slows everything in the bowel down. So if your bowel is not awake and active post-surgically and you start to eat things, where is it going to go? It's not going to go through your intestinal tract because it's not awake. So we maintain them on NPO status until they are, you know, passing gas or um, kind of can tolerate it that way. And then we would advance their diet very gradually. And as prescribed, or however the order is written, when the bowel sounds ultimately return. And a key point to this is postoperatively, in order to get the bowel to wake back up, we really need to make sure that these patients stay really well hydrated, that we get them up and moving as permitted as soon as possible. That also decreases a lot of complications postoperatively. But then you can do other things like have them chew gum and it stimulates sort of that the bowel to wake up because with that chewing motion, it kind of signals like, hey, I would like to eat, wake up. Now, if these patients, if the appendix actually ruptured before they got to surgery, we would expect that when they came to us postoperatively, they will have a drain in place. And the drain in place um, near the incision is basically left there because their abdomen would have been washed out to try to remove all of the bacteria from the ruptured appendix that spilled out into the peritoneum. Again, if they have that drain, we would expect drainage for uh, you know, probably about the first 12 hours, and then it should slow down. Um, we would then position the clients in a right side lying or low to semi-fallage position with the legs flexed. We are, again, to try to remove the stress and strain on the abdominal cavity itself, and then change those dressings as pres prescribed. Um, Oftentimes, patients that are NPO might also have some sort of nasogastric suction, depending on the severity. If that's the case, you would want to follow suit with that. And then we are going to make sure that we are really administering the antibiotics appropriately and any analgesics as prescribed because they're going to be quite painful. Even if they have a fever, you could give an antipyretic. So a lot of this is symptom management and then perioperative nursing care for someone who's had an appendectomy. We would the way we would evaluate whether or not it's worked is, you know, they leave the hospital without <laughs> having had sepsis that was generated from a ruptured appendix. And, but no, they leave the hospital soundly. And we 
there's no really way for us to uh, educate them on how not to get appendicitis. It doesn't seem like there's any really good rhyme or reason behind why people get it. It just sort of happens. So lucky draw of the straw if you end up with appendicitis. So that's all that I've got on appendicitis and appendectomies. Uh, Go forth and keep on learning.